Thank you, Brother Jerry. Thank you, choir. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. My intent today, preaching this one time this month, was to preach to you a message entitled, From the Wilderness to the Land of Promise, where I compared um, the journey to Hueytown Church to the children of Israel. And I'll just tell you, God didn't let me stay with that title. If you look on the screen, you'll see he changed it to decision time because you see the children of Israel had at least two times of decision that were very important in their history. So today we're going to pick up with Moses' farewell address. Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to pick up reading verse 11 and share together a message today that I hope will be that decision time. If you will, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's holy word. Picking up in verse 11, Moses says these words. This command I give today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven, so you have to ask, who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? And it is not across the sea, so that you have to ask, who will go across the sea and get it for us and pro proclaim it to us that we may follow it? But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, ordinances, so that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow down to other gods and worship them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not live long in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him. For he is your life, and he will prolong your life in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll take control. Thank you for the way we sensed your spirit through the music with our children, with the baptism, with those who sung. And we pray now that you will peer into our hearts. I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. In fact, if you'll just kind of get me out of the way so that we can hear a word from you today in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Anytime I read the end of Deuteronomy, I know the context in which it was set. So let's, let's just kind of get that in front of us. It was 40 years earlier that God had Moses lead the children of Israel to a place called Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh was a place of decision. God had told the children of Israel, he said, 
uh, I have promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this land. And he brought them to Kadesh, which is on the southern tip of Canaan. They could literally look into the land. And God said, you can take this. I've given it to you. And they said, we can't and we won't. This week I heard two preachers give two um, unique perspectives on the failure at K-Dash. Because we all know what happened at K-Dash. One was that the committee changed their mission statement. They were told to go in. And tell them about the land that they were getting. Just bring us some fruit back. Tell us about the people. It's ours. And while they were there, they changed their mission to where, to, instead of just telling us about the land, they said, uh, we can't take that land. The second preacher suggested it was a leadership failure. Said Moses had gotten a word from God that we're supposed to go and take the land. And when the committee came back, And the majority of the people said, we can't do it. Moses caved in. I can argue that point, but I can also sympathize with Moses. But it might be a good point for us to, to make here is that generally God doesn't call committees. Generally God gives a vision and a calling to a man to lead his people. Check it out in Scripture. He calls his name and he gives him the vision and tells him to lead. And yet, this committee, when they returned this 40 years earlier, they returned, they gave the bad report. The majority said, God may have said we could, but we think we can't and we won't. Oh, there's one other thing, guys. You go read it in Numbers 14. God said, all right, have it your way. If you don't want the land flowing with milk and honey, that's cool with me. Go wander in the wilderness. Now, we know they wandered for 40 years, but did you realize in in Numbers 14, God didn't tell them how long in years that they would have to wander there. He told them what would happen. He said, you're going to the wilderness, and by the way, adults, you're all going to die in the wilderness. You made the wrong decision. You made the wrong choice. Die with it. It's worth noting in, in chapter 14 of Numbers ends with, them sleeping on those words. And they get up the next morning, they come to Moses, they say, ah, we changed our mind. We want the land milk with honey, we don't want the wilderness. And Moses said, if you go out to battle, you're going to get beat. And they did. You see, God said, go wander in the wilderness. You're all going to die. Right there, that's what you've chosen. When I think of the word wandering, it disturbs me. Wandering literally means going about aimlessly, with no direction, no sense of purpose. In fact, when you wander, you do today what you did yesterday, and you know you'll do tomorrow what you did today, with no thought of making any progress. And then you put that wandering, that concept inside the wilderness. Look up here at the wilderness. Nothing growing. And to think because you made a stupid decision, you're going to die in the wilderness? And it all comes back to the choices that we make. 
What happens tomorrow is a direct relationship of the choices we make today. In fact, in this service, you'll make a decision today that will determine your behavior tomorrow. And when we get to the time of altar call, you'll make a decision that will determine how you act, how you think, what you do tomorrow, this afternoon. And you know what? The decision you make here, you may not think makes any big uh, decision uh, for tomorrow, but it could be the difference in somebody going to heaven and somebody going to hell. I want to make this message as personal as I can for us. Guest, we welcome you today. Just endure about two or three minutes. A tragedy happened in Hueytown, Alabama back in 1971. A congregation decided they had to go two separate ways. I call it a tragedy because any time anytime God's people walk in disunity and disharmony, it's a tragedy before the king. It's a tragedy before the throne. And yet one group decided to stay with the church. One group determined to leave the church. And a year later, this church was born. Forty years have passed, and there is still strong emotion about who was right and who was wrong. And I'm standing here to tell you, at the risk of life and limb, prayed it through, and I know who was right and I know who was wrong. Are you listening? God was right. People were wrong. God was right. People were wrong. It happens like that all the time. You see, folks, it never has been, it now not is, and it never will be about who was right and who was wrong. If we're going to be God's people, it's about what God wants. It's about what God desires. It's about what God expects. It's about what God thinks. Next week, we cross the threshold of 40 years. 40 years. In the context of the, of the children of Israel, that's how long it took for all the adults to die off. In fact, the last adult to die off was Moses. We'll get to that in a second. Forty years. You can look around, those who've been here a long time, and you can see that there have been people who have come and gone. In fact, I, got, I had a kind of a smile on my face as I was studying through and thinking through these remarks. In fact, you can look around this congregation and you can see those who have come and gone and come and gone. And come, well, you got the idea, don't you? And yet, you know what the truth is? If you study the children of Israel, you'll find that they came and went. You'll find that they came to God in obedience and in love and dedication, and then they went away from Him. They came to Him in love and obedience and dedication, and then they went away from Him. I don't know about you. But as for me and my house, we're tired of wandering in the wilderness. 
There are enough churches wandering in the wilderness. There are enough believers wandering in the wilderness. For the past year, I've prayed, God, send your spirit in a manifest way. Break our hearts, renew us, revive us, and stir us. I have prayed for this month. Shirley has led the team so great as we planned this 40th anniversary that it would be a month that we celebrate the goodness of God. And the only way we can celebrate the goodness of God and what he's going to do in the future is we have to take an honest look at ourselves. For you see, if we're ever going to cross into the promised land, if we're ever going to approach that land of milk and honey, we have to be honest about where we are. You know what else I've discovered? I've discovered that people with their shoulder to the plow in this congregation, they're more tired of the wilderness than I am. People who are trying to do ministry, people who are visiting homes and hospitals, people who are heading up things, they are ready. But it takes a decision. At K-Dash, they made a decision. And then, and then, 40 years later, they were called to make another decision. At Kadesh, they followed the wrong people, listened to the wrong voices, the wrong counsel for all the wrong reasons, and they got themselves in a mess. When we step into the promised land, all things are new. There'll be a new attitude, a new walk, a new talk, new souls born into the kingdom. When we choose to cross the River Jordan. Our context today, 40 years past, Moses given his final farewells as next chapter Joshua takes over. They're standing at the river. I really do believe this. And if I'm misspeaking, I've got a group of deacons that can correct me. I really believe this church is tired of the wilderness. And I believe that we are ready to stop fighting God to stop fighting God's leadership, to stop fighting each other, and let's join together to fight the real enemy, Satan, and let's take the promised land. But it's going to take some choices. Quickly, I want to offer you four choices that I left from our scripture today. Four choices. It's decision time. First choice are the personal choices. The personal choices. If you look in your Bible, hang your Bible, hang on to your Bible because it's all going to be here. You find in verse 11 through 14, you find that Moses had a heart for his people. But you know what he knew about his people? Please listen. Don't miss this. He knew that these people were not very good about making correct choices. He knew that if they were given their, their reins, as we used to say when we would ride horses, you just give them their head, let them go where they want to. He knew if he just left them to their own, they were going to make wrong choices. He said, this command I give to you. He wasn't making a suggestion. He was giving a command. In fact, it's the same word in the Hebrew as used in Exodus 20, 24 when he's, talk, when he's talking about the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Those weren't ten suggestions, and neither is this. And he goes on to say, he said, this is a command that you can do. This is not something that's across the sea. It's not something that's in heaven. It's not something that's far away. It's something that's in your mouth and in your heart. Have you ever thought about how your mouth and your heart's connected? You know what? You can't hide your heart. Listen, I want to say that again. You cannot hide your heart. Oh, you can guard your heart. 
You cannot hide your heart. Because Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart flows the issues. That would be the attitudes and the actions of life. Jesus says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, the question today is, where is your heart? If you look down here, that command was that I want you to to love the Lord God. I want you to walk in his ways. I want you to keep his ordinance, statutes, and ordinances. And if you'll do that, there'll be some good things happen from you. It is a personal choice. The first personal choice you're going to have to make is you have to respond to the call of Christ to be saved. And then if you've responded to the call of Christ, your heart's grown cold before him, then you're going to have to do what, what Jesus... Let us start over. John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, Peter, and then Jesus again in the Revelation said, you have to repent and get right with God once again. And we don't really want to do that. It is a personal choice we make if we're ever going to cross the River Jordan, if we're ever going to see the waters cross and get into the land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be a personal choice about your heart and then what comes out your mouth. But there's also, number two, a practical choice. You'll find it right here. A practical choice. Look at verse 15. See, I I have set before you. See, today. By the way, did you realize that today appears at least five times in these verses? Today. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. Life and prosperity, death and adversity. Are you getting the idea that with God there are no gray areas? I want, to, I want to drive that home. There are no gray areas with God. Can't, wouldn't you like to be the first one to come before the judge to see the Christ go, well, God, you know, I, that was kind of gray area to me. I didn't know. I, you know, I know it don't really matter much to you. You see, with God, there's only two choices. When you make a decision, there are only two choices. When you're faced with a, uh, with a life choice, there's only two. Most of us think there's their way, the wrong way, and there's my way. Let me simplify it. Jesus says there's only two roads. There's only two gates. There's only two ways. One leads to heaven, and the other leads to hell. When we make choices, Satan will come into us, and he will fill our mind with other other ideas, but the truth comes back to it. It's not a matter of what you think, it's what he thinks. In fact, Proverbs says two times, Proverbs 14, Proverbs 16 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. You see, this practical choice is narrowed down to two things. What does God say? Brother Jerry, I don't think I believe that. I mean, I don't think I believe there are no gray areas. Huh. Well, that changes everything. I mean, Jesus said there were two ways, but if you don't believe it, surely that's got to change something. That got, you know, because you don't believe it, oh, I'm sure that changes something. Do you realize how crazy that sounds? Last time I checked, he was still God and we're not. 
practical choices. Right, wrong. Life, life, or death. You have prosperity or you have adversity. You have right, wrong. If we are ever going to get into the promised land, it's going to be because we make right choices, practical choices. But isn't God great? Because he always gives us the word that we don't want to hear. And that's the third choice that we see the, the uh, children of Israel making all the time. That's the problematic choices. Problematic choices. And you find those here. And don't you know that it starts with a but? Look in verse 17. After he says, man, if you'll, if you'll love God with all your heart, you'll walk in his ways, you'll obey his commandments, ordinances, and statutes, you're going to live, you're going to multiply, you're going to be blessed if you'll make the right choices. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow down to other gods and worship them, I tell you, here's the word again, today you will certainly perish. And will not live long in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. Now, does this sound like a no big deal thing to anybody? When God speaks like that, is that a no big deal thing? Or on the converse, is it fair warning? Is it fair warning? I'm calling you to do what I need you and I want you and I desire for you to do. It's the best for you. You're going to live long and prosper if you will follow me. And he gives them three areas of warning. He gives them warning about love, life, and loyalty. And he, and he says this. He says, look, where is your heart? If you'll love God with all your heart. But if your heart turns away, there's a problem. He moves to life and he says, now listen, 21st century churchgoers. And you do not listen. I think that's the big sin of the church today. We said in service after service, hear sermon after sermon, in Sunday school lesson after Sunday school lesson, we hear it. But this word listen in the Hebrew means you hear it until it, you take action on what you've heard. And so often we can't even tell anybody what the preacher preached last Sunday, what the Sunday school teacher taught last Sunday. You'd be surprised at the number of Sunday school teachers that say, you know, Brother Jerry, last week I really tried to teach my class. And I don't know that they got it. You see, when we listen and we hear with understanding, it means that we proceed to the point of being obedient. Oh, if a heart turns away, you do not listen, then our loyalty is a suspect. Because it says, then you'll, if you are led astray, you know people, go to Jude. There are people who have crept into the church trying to lead us astray today. Read Jude. Only one chapter. It won't take you 45 minutes. But watch the progression. Watch how this happens and we'll move on for the sake of time. Watch this. You're loved. If your heart turns away from God, if your heart gets cold, if you lose your first love, if you put, then, then what happens is that then you choose not to listen. Because if you listen to God's Word, it's going to change you. 
And it's going to change that first love. But if you choose not to listen, you know love. You don't listen. Your life gets crazy. And then what happens is that your loyalty becomes suspect. It's kind of like lust, sin, and death. And when we worship something else, we've now replaced God and broken, and broken the first commandment. I suggest to us that this is where many churches live today. Verse 17, verse 18. We're on the downhill run. If we want to possess the promised land, if we want to move across Jordan into the land of Canaan, then we have some present choices, number four. Some present choices to make. We could go yesterday, save a life, raise right at $50,000. We raised four of it right here. And they'll love this verse. Verse 19 after God says, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today that I have set before, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Here's what it says. Two words. Choose life. All of us uh, um, anti-abortionists, we like that. Choose life. Because anytime anything's aborted, there's a death. Let's choose life today. And not just the life of the unborn. Certainly that's a part of our, our mantra. But how about let's choose spiritual life. Spiritual vitality. You see, if we're going to choose life, we have to do different than we've done before. Can I say that again? If we choose life, we're going to have to do different than we've done before. I heard Ed Stetcher say it this week. People will never change. Until the pain of staying the same exceeds the worst. It exceeds the pain of the change. I hope we're there. God's been patient with us. You say, Brother Jerry, you saying we have been bad? No, I'm just saying we've been normal. I'm just saying we've been normal. Vance Hadner said we've been subnormal. For so long that if we were to get normal, people would think we're abnormal. You see, God's called us to choose life. Our present choice, our choice today is we choose life and we choose the promised land or we choose to continue wandering in the wilderness. We need to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I say that, everybody goes, I do. Well, really? Let me see your schedule for the past week. Let me hear your conversations for the past week. And then tell us, tell him that you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, when we love someone, we love someone or something, they become an integral part of who we are. And they're not relegated to one day a week. They're not relegated to one hour a week. It's just like your wife or your husband's part of your daily life. You talk about them. I would ask this, but I don't embarrass anybody. You ever talk about your grandkids? You ever talk about your grandkids? 
Wait a minute. Do you ever quit talking about your grandkids? And you know why that is? Because you love them so much. Because you love them so much. You see, God loves us, and he calls us. He calls us to make the choice that we come to Him and be transformed. We let the Holy Spirit come and reside in us, that we are reformed. And then as we grow in our grace, we'll be conformed into His image. Then we remain faithful to Him. And when we do this, it requires us to make a decision. And do you know why many people today will not go will not go the second mile for the Lord. Pride. Last week, Brother Billy, he did such an excellent job. He told about that lady that came down the aisle. She wanted to be saved, but she wasn't a sinner. That's kind of where we are today. We want Jesus for all his benefits. We want the church to grow. You know, church growing, it's not our goal. It's the result of living for Christ. It's the result of being a Jesus church, a joyful church, an encouraging church, a sensitive church, an unselfish church, and a serving church. It is the outgrowth of putting down pride and taking up Jesus. Pride's a dangerous thing. It'll cause deaths like you can't imagine. Read a story this week in 1986. Two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of pastors, they died. Many more were injured. And that truth was only made worse when they found out the cause of the collision. The cause of the collision was that both pastor, both uh, captains knew how close the ships were coming, and both of them were too prideful to give way to the other. I couldn't end this message today the way I wanted to. Man, I tried. I stayed up to midnight last night trying because I wanted you to see a a clip from a movie. Recently on the TV, never seen it anywhere else. Recently on the TV, a movie came on entitled Someone Has to Die. We DVR'd it. And I, I watched it again yesterday. Let me see if I can tell you this so I can get to what I want you to hear. The story is that there's a church building. It was a black, Afro, it was Afro-American church building. And as it opens, a man, big black man, is walking up in front of it. And he sees a young man actually trying to sell drugs in front of the church. This big man, his dad used to pastor the church. For the last 15 years, he'd been in jail for killing someone. Something he had repented of. Something he admitted was because of his anger. Now he's found the Lord. The Lord's called him to pastor the church. And that young man, who was the drug dealer, was his first target. And he reached him. But that drug dealer had a boss, the drug lord who ran the community. And as that boy got closer to God, the drug lord got more upset. Final analysis. 
the drug lord killed the young boy. Preacher, remember he killed somebody himself. Do you remember that? He went after the drug lord. And they fought. And the preacher literally had his hands around his throat. Could have snapped his neck and killed the Lord. And he let him go. That was the day of the killing. Cut away to the drug lord coming into the church. And the black pastor doing something behind the pulpit. And he walked up over here and started talking to him. He walked right down in front of the pulpit and he pulled a gun. And now the conversation heats up. Walked on around the pulpit, put the gun on the pastor's heart. And all this time he's talking about how he had lost his family. How he hurt so deep. And he said, Preacher, Somebody's got to die today. And as he stood there, he said, somebody's got to die today. And he took the gun and he laid it down. And the implication was that someone is me. And they prayed. Here's what I'll say to you. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua had to die. Excuse me. Moses had to die. The last adult to die before they could enter the... Enter the promised land. Who has to die here? Who has to die here? Maybe not put it in the ground, but maybe like that black man. It's me. I believe God wants the best the next 40 years. You can look back over the last 40 years and you can put whatever spin on it you want to. We flawed, we're flawed people. We'll all spin it like we like. If God was here and he looked back over our last 40 years, I think that he'd probably say something like this. You've done some good things. There have been people who have been saved. There have been people who've gone out into the ministry. But boy, you've made a mess along the way. Come to me. And let's take the promised land together. Now is the time. Today is the day of your decision. Let's pray.